Well, I enjoy a little bit of military history. I'm sure some of you do as well. And this week I was studying about Arthur Wellesley, uh, the, the Duke of Wellington. And Arthur Wellesley, for those of you that have heard of him, he was undefeated in his battles as commander and general. And it was towards the end of his uh, tenure or his reign where he almost lost to Napoleon. And he was known, Wellesley was known, the Duke of Wellington was known as his defensive strategy. And he was able to defend his homeland extremely well. And part of his tactic against Napoleon was that and Napoleon, as they were going to come at the, bottle, the Battle of Waterloo, that they were going to use his defensive strategies against Napoleon. And as they were defending themselves, uh, he had made an alliance with another, another general. And this general was to come and lead the Prussian army uh, and, and come in and defeat Napoleon with him. Well, the plan was for this general to come in in the early afternoon. Uh, but unfortunately, the general, von Blucher was his name, Von Blucher, he was traveling 35 miles to Waterloo, and it was a muddy terrain. And so Von Blucher and his men of 33,000, they were having a really hard time getting through the mud in order to fight Napoleon. And so the Duke of Wellington, uh, he, <laughs> he is really struggling just to defend against Napoleon, and all of a sudden Napoleon breaks the army in half. And if you've studied 19th century warfare, you will know that once an army is split in two, that's not good. And Napoleon's thinking, uh-oh, von Blucher is not coming to help me. My, my allies are not here. And he was about to signal defeat. And he was about to tell all of his soldiers to retreat as Napoleon is just pounding on his, his military. And out of nowhere, he hears one of his troops say, sir, look out in a distance. And so he gets his field glass and he looks out and he sees this group of, of military men in blue coming. And in first thought, he thought, uh-oh, this is more of Napoleon's army, and they're coming to just pummel us, and we're dead meat. And then as he focuses more in his field glass, he realizes this is not Napoleon's reserves, but this is von Blucher and the Prussian military who are finally here after four o'clock. And just in the nick of time, von Blucher and his 33,000 men come, and they help the Duke of Wellington defeat Napoleon, uh, keeping the Duke's record flawless and perfect. He never lost a battle, but, uh, but also winning that battle against Napoleon. It was interesting as you, as you study the autobiography of Wellington. He said, in 45 minutes, our defeat was turned to the greatest victory that we could ever imagine. Just when he thought that all hope had been lost in the nick of time, he had reserves that, come in, that came in and helped him win the battle that day at Waterloo. This is what will happen in the end of time. God's people will be persecuted. They will be plundered. They will be pummeled by the enemy Satan and his forces. And just when we think the end has come and Christians will be defeated forever, Jesus comes as our great general and he wipes out Satan and he takes out the enemy. And he delivers his people yet once again. This is not only a picture of the end time, but it's a picture of Daniel 12. And that's where we're going to go today. Daniel 12 is the last vision that Daniel had of four. As we look through Jan Daniel chapter 7 through 12, we've covered four apocalyptic visions that Daniel had. 
And Daniel chapter 10 through 12 covers the last vision of four visions. And so we were, we were going to conclude this fun sermon series. I've had a lot of fun. I don't know about you. We've looked at it from, since January, verse by verse. We're going to conclude this day, Daniel chapter 12. So turn with me now, Daniel 12, as we finish out this sermon series. Daniel 12. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time and times and half a time and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished." I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. The word of the Lord. As we wrap up this sermon series in the book of Daniel, we're going to look at three questions that Daniel 12 addresses. What will happen in the end of time? When will the end of time happen? And how should we live until the end happens? So the first question is, what will happen in the end? This is, as I remind you, the last vision that Daniel had of four. It's the third year when Daniel is uh, living in the reign of, of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And he has this last vision before he passes away, probably in his mid-80s. And it's this final vision where an angel had come to Daniel. And before he reached Daniel, this angel, he met a demon who was over the empire of Persia. And this angel fought this demon for three weeks. And it prevented the angel from getting to Daniel. But finally, Michael, the archangel, came to help this angel defeat this Persian demon. And the angel appears to Daniel And in verse 14 of chapter 10, the angel said, Now I have come to explain to you, Daniel, what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. As you journey on from chapters 10 and get into chapter 11, the angel describes the times that would come after Daniel would had died, after Daniel died, 
God's people would be treated like a football, where it'd be tossed to and fro, or it'd be treated like a ping-pong ball, where going from one side of the court to the other, getting knocked around, going from empire to empire, kind of away from their homeland. Even in their homeland, they were just having, they were having to be under one regime to the next, and they never really experienced a time of peace. And then finally, the angel described to Daniel that one day, wickedness would almost reign where Antiochus Epiphanes would come, this ruthless emperor, and he would come and he would desecrate the temple and decimate God's people. And 80,000 of God's people would be wiped away in one day under this emperor's evil regime. It was one of the darkest days in all of history for God's people. And this day would foreshadow the end to come. Where the end would come, it would be even a darker moment for God's people. And at the end of chapter 11, going into now chapter 12, you will see that this vision concludes talking about the very end of time. And what will happen in the end of time? Well, there's a couple things that Daniel 12 mentions. First, it mentions Michael will yet appear again on the scene. Who is Michael? Michael is the archangel who is the leader and the commander over God's angel armies. Michael, his name means who is like God. The name itself reminds us of the awesome uniqueness and power of God. It points to God's power in protecting his people. And there are many verses that talk about this archangel, Michael. Jude, in the New Testament, verse 9, describes Michael as an archangel. We also know in chapter 10 that Michael was called on to help an angel fight the demon over the Persian Empire. And we know in Revelation 12, Michael yet again appears on the scene. And what did Michael do in Revelation 12? But he fought Satan and Satan's army in heaven. And he knocked Satan out of heaven and threw him to the earth in Revelation chapter 12. Time and time and time again, Michael has appeared on the scene throughout history. And what has Michael done? But he has fought for God's people. He has delivered God's people from the enemy. He's like Von Blucher in the illustration I gave earlier, who comes just in the nick of time and delivers God's people. That's who Michael is. And Daniel chapter 12 describes yet another final time when Michael will appear again and will deliver God's people from the enemy. It says again, verse 1, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book will be delivered that final day when Michael comes back and fights our enemies. Everyone who's listed in the book of life. In the Old Testament, God, in the book of Numbers, we, we read how he had all of his people of Israel record their names in a register or in a book. They had to, they had to account for themselves and their family. All their names were written in this book to be accounted for. In the same way in the New Testament, we, we discover, and in the Old, we discover how there is a book of life for God's chosen people, his elect, and our names are written in it, and they will not be blotted out. They are permanently in the book of life. If you are a believer today, and you love Jesus Christ, and you serve him, and you know you're a sinner, 
but yet you trust in him to forgive you of your sins, if that is you, your name is in this book. If you do not love Jesus, and if you do not serve him, and if he is not your commander-in-chief, if he is not your general, if he is not your king or your lord, then your name is not in that book, and you will be in hell. Revelation 3, 5 says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. If you're here today and you don't love Jesus and you're just here to learn about him, I'm telling you, don't leave here without learning more. Open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Study who Jesus is. Fall in love with Jesus. Submit your life to Jesus. Your life will dramatically change. It will never be the same. You'll have purpose and meaning and value in this life. You will find fulfillment only in Christ. And if you love Jesus, your name will be in this book of life. It will never be blotted out. He will help you persevere until the end. So please, my friends, trust in this Jesus today. If you have questions about him, I'll be up front at the end. Our elders will be in the back. We would love to pray with you and tell you more about this King Jesus. Verse 2 goes on to say another thing about what will happen at the end. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the first reference that we see of a general resurrection in the Old Testament. It's mentioned here in Daniel. It talks about how in the end there's going to be this big battle. And, and, and you're going to read about that in Revelation chapter 20 where Jesus will conquer Satan. And then after that, a general resurrection will come in one fell swoop. For my dispensationalist friends, Jesus doesn't come twice. He comes once. I'm sorry. He comes once. And it's one fell swoop. And then there's a general resurrection where it says many will rise again. What does the word many mean? Why is it saying many will come? Many means multitudes. It's every believer. The multitudes of believers who have died before us will rise from the grave and will be resurrected and united with our souls. We'll have glorified bodies. 2 Thessalonians 4, going into 5, you'll read about this and you'll see how those who are asleep will rise up and they'll receive glorified bodies in the end after the final battle has been fought and won. So I might have hair again. You won't have acne, you won't have cancer, you won't have aches and pains after a day of working in your yard. You won't be sweating by the thorns and thistles and taking out weeds as you're working in your garden or your, your lawn. You won't have to deal with that anymore. You'll have a glorified, perfected body. And it's said here in Daniel 12. Isn't that amazing? It talks about a resurrection where many multitudes, all of God's people will rise and those who are still here when Jesus returns will follow and rise, as it says in 2 Thessalonians 4. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful moment. But there's also going to be those who will have experienced everlasting contempt and shame. And again, these are the non-believers who don't trust in Jesus. Revelation 20 describes this battle, how Satan will come and he will go the four corners of the world and, and he will... He will get his demons to take down God's people. We read about it in Daniel 12 later, how the holy ones will be persecuted. This battle is going to happen where Satan will appear to have won the battle. But yet it says in Revelation 20, as it goes on, that fire will come from heaven, will destroy Satan and his army, and they will send Satan to hell forever. And after that moment, 
It says in verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. There it is again, the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. In the nick of time, will Jesus come and wipe them out? And the fire from heaven will be sent down and wipe out Satan. And then those who don't believe in Christ will also be thrown in the fire. This is what will happen, my friends, in the end of time. People will be thrown in fire in the fire after they experience a judgment day. And we're all going to appear on the judgment throne and the judgment seat. And some of us, God will say, you are no longer condemned. Welcome to heaven. And others of us, he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoer. If you don't love Jesus, unfortunately, Jesus will say that to you. So please, 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 I urge you, give your life to Jesus today. Love him with all that you have. It's not going to be easy. In fact, Jesus promises a hard road But in the end, it will be worth it. It will be glorious. That's what will happen in the end. Now, after telling Daniel what would happen in the end, the the angel went on to describe in verses 3 and 4, he said, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase." What he's saying here is the angel was telling Daniel, Daniel, now that you know what's going to happen in the end, I want you to store it away. I want you to shut it up in your minds, and I want you to to be reminded that it's sealed by God. In other words, God has written history, and he has ordained history, and the history is not going to change. It's going to be sealed, and I want you to store it away. I want you to store it away in your heart and your mind, and I want you to tell others about the end. I want you to tell others about me. And as you tell others about me, you'll see more and more people come to faith. And you'll see wisdom take place. Did you know that there are only two kinds of people in this world? There's those who are wise and there are those who are wicked. Those who are wise and those who are wicked. And in order for us to gain wisdom... We have to be reminded of the end. We have to be reminded of who is in control. And as we've looked chapter after chapter in this book of Daniel, we have seen that God is sovereign over all. He is the one who is in control. And as we learn more and more about this great sovereign God, we will gain wisdom, heavenly wisdom from above. Now, next week, I'm pleased to announce that I'm going to start a summer sermon series. I had a trouble saying that the first sermon, first service. Summer sermon series. And we're starting that next week. It's going through James. And if, uh, if you'd like, we are selling these little scripture illuminated journals for $4 in the hallway. Pick one up. And what it is is as we go through the book verse by verse, you'll have the text on one end and a blank page where you can write sermon notes for you. So please pick one up. We're going to go through James throughout the whole summer to gain heavenly wisdom. But on the other end of things, there's going to be those who are wicked, and they will increase in wickedness. And as, as the angel told Daniel, 
that many shall run to and fro in verse 4 and knowledge shall increase. He's alluding to the prophecy in the book of Amos. In Amos chapter 8 verse 11 that says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Daniel 12 is referring back to Amos chapter 8, talking about how there are people in this world throughout history who are longing to know divine wisdom and heavenly knowledge, and they will never find it. They will search high and low, go to and fro. They will talk to anyone and everyone to try to discover what true knowledge is, and they will never, ever find it. That's why wickedness will continue to enhance and increase, because people don't know the wisdom of God. And how do we learn the wisdom of God? We read the word of God regularly. We study, we study it, we meditate it, we memorize it, we learn it. That's what we do in order for us to gain heavenly wisdom. But as the angel told Daniel, unfortunately, there are going to be people, even till the end, who will continue to grow in wickedness and go to and fro like winds and waves. So that's what will happen in the end. But when will this happen? That's kind of the the million-dollar question. When? None of us knows. (laughs) And it's funny because Daniel kind of asked the question. He said, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Like, when will this happen? And we know how it's going to happen, but when will this all take place? As you go in verse 5 and 6, Daniel, the vision continues on, and it closes out the book. But he sees two angels that are on the banks of streams. And then all of a sudden, he sees a man in white linen who is over the waters, And this man in white linen, it's described in verse 7, Daniel said, I heard the man clothed in linen, or an angel said, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. What's going on here? Well, there's a man in linen who is over the waters that symbolizes his complete control over the waters. He's raising up both hands, which basically means this is a vow that is permanent. What I am saying is utterly certain. And this man in linen is saying, I am utterly certain that the the end will happen, and the end will happen after a time, times, and a time and a half, or half a time. Now, if you're like me and you're reading this, you scratch your head thinking, what in the world is he talking about? A time, times, and half a time? What in the world? Well, as we've looked at Daniel, we've talked a lot about numbers and symbols and all those things. The number seven, which most of you know, it symbolizes that of completion, fulfillment, right? A time, times, and half a time is three and a half. Half of seven. So what does that mean? It means that God's people will not experience total, complete persecution. Because the number seven would say, if, it was, if he mentioned seven, then we would say, oh, God's people will be permanently destroyed. But no, no, they won't. A time, time, and half a time, times and half a time means three and a half. God's going to cut off the persecution halfway through at the halfway point. So we will not experience complete persecution. Praise be to God. We will not experience it. It will be cut in half. And I like what Vody Bauckham says about this. He says, God will halt it. He'll stop it, the persecution, by amassing his armies. The Son of God rides in as general of his armies, 
and makes an end to those who are attempting to make an end to us. So in contrast to such a complete period of judgment, this period of trials is limited. It's cut short in its length. That's what God meant when he said that the persecution will take place for a time, times, and half a time. But even after this, I absolutely love verse 8. Because look at Daniel's response to all of this. He said, I heard, but I did not understand. <laughs> I don't have a clue what this angel's talking about. What in the world? A time, times, and half a time? What in the world are you talking about? I want to remind you, as we've gone through Daniel, we've talked about a lot of future events that are head scratchers. And they're leaving us wondering, what? What does this mean? Well, guess what? You're in good company with Daniel, the prophet. Daniel was saying, I don't really have a clue, and I don't understand what all this means. And neither will you and I completely. Isaiah 55 tells us, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. It's okay for us, as we look at the end times, to agree to disagree on certain things as long as it's biblical. We don't need to come up and pull things you know, from, from other places. We don't need to say, oh, my emotions tell me that this is what God is saying. No. What is the word telling us? And if we can go back to the word, if we can agree to disagree on some of these meanings and interpretations, we're okay. As long as it's within biblical orthodoxy. That's where Daniel's getting at. He's saying, I don't quite understand all these things. But here's the reality. Okay, we don't know when Jesus will return. We don't know. Nobody knows. We know there are going to be certain things that will take place in the end, but we don't know when. And so because we don't know when, all of us need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for that moment because it's coming. And we need to live as if it's coming tomorrow. So the third question we're looking at this morning is, how should we live as we wait for his return? Verse 8 continues. Daniel said, oh, Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And look at what the angel said to Daniel in verse 9. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Once again, the angel's saying there's two types of people. There's the wise and there's the wicked. Those who are wise will continue to gain wisdom and insight because you have stored away, you've shut these things in mind and in your heart. But those who are wicked will continue to increase in wickedness and they won't understand anything from Scripture. You see, there's really two things that, that God is telling Daniel, and he's telling us today how, how we should live. First, we should live by faith and continue to study God's word and live in God's word and do God's ways. And the second thing we are to do is we are to not only study God's word, but we are also to live it out in our lifestyle. So people will see our love for Christ and they'll be won over too. You know, as I mentioned that Wisdom will increase as we read the word of God. Proverbs 1, 7 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's really two types of people. Some will love the word of God and gain wisdom. Some will hate it and despise it. Those are the wicked. So again, as we've looked through Daniel, as we know the end of time, we've got to reflect on it. We've got to meditate on it. We've got to think heavenly thoughts. We've got to think eternal thoughts. 
You know, I was telling you a couple weeks ago, I just finished a, a class at Reformed Theological Seminary, and it was on the Puritans. And it was fascinating to learn about the Puritans. And there was one Puritan, his name was Jonathan Edwards. And you know what he said about eternity? He said, Lord, I want you to stamp my eyeballs with eternity. Stamp my eyeballs. When's the last time you thought of that? Stamp my eyeballs with eternity? Uh, John Flavel, uh, he said, it, was, it was said of him that he was so overcome with heavenly joy that he lost sight of the world. Puritan John Flavel. John Owen, a lot of you know John Owen, he said this on his deathbed. He said, I'm going to him whom my soul has loved, or rather who has loved me with an everlasting love, which is the whole ground of my consolation. He was saying, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to heaven, to the one that I love and who has loved me, and that's the whole reason I'm comforted. And then probably my favorite, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He was on his deathbed with all of his close friends and family who were just crying and waiting for John to die, and they're saddened by his deaths. And this is what he said to his friends and family. He said, weep not for me, but for yourselves. I go to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will no doubt receive me, though a sinner, where I hope we ere long shall meet to sing the new song and remain everlasting happy, world without end. John Bunyan was telling his close friends and families, don't cry for me. Cry for each other, sure. But don't cry about me. I'm going to be in heaven soon. I'm going to be singing and dancing with Jesus. So be excited for me because I'll be celebrating in just a few moments. When's the last time you thought that way? When's the last time you thought, Lord, stamp my eyeballs with eternity? We don't talk like that anymore. But that's profound. And it's an eternal perspective that all of us need to have. And so again, as we continue to live faithfully, how shall we live until he returns? We live thinking about eternity. We live thinking about what will happen in the end. And we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. But the second thing we do, we not only live by faith and continue to read and study God's word, but we live it out. We live it out. And, and that's really what, what this chapter was talking about. We are to be like the sun and, and multiply the stars, as it described in verse 3 and 4. What was Daniel saying here? He's saying, be the light of Christ in the world so that more and more people will come to faith in Christ. More and more people will come into my kingdom. And so again, believer in Christ, how shall we live as we wait till the end? We live by living the fruit of the Spirit. We live lives of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We live these qualities of the Holy Spirit so that when people see the way we conduct ourselves and the way we live, they'll say, there's something different about that believer. There's something different about that Christian. I want to know more about what it means to follow Christ so I can live like them. No, we're not going to be perfect. Yes, we're going to continue to sin. But if you're vulnerable and you admit you're a sinner and you ask for forgiveness and you tell people that you've wronged, you're sorry, and you continue to walk in faithfulness, that will attract people to Jesus. It will. And in these days, we need people not only who love God's word, but we need people who love others. And as we love others, it will lead people to Christ. You know, as you go on to verses 11 and 12, it explains how 
there would be a persecution that would last 1,290 days, and then it would go on for another 45 days, 1,335 days. What in the world is God talking about here? Well, again, as we've looked at Daniel, we've looked at a lot of different numbers. In Daniel chapter 8, we read about 1,150 days. In Daniel 12, 11, we read about 1,290 days. In Daniel 12, verse 12, we learned about 1,335 days. What's going on here? A lot of people have debated about what these things mean. But here's Seth Hammond's interpretation. And I got this from Ligon Duncan, by the way. I believe as you see an increase in numbers, it's as if God is telling his people, you need to be prepared to persevere for a long time, and then a little bit longer, and then a little bit longer. In other words, the numbers continue to increase to remind God's people that we are going to face persecution for a long time and a little bit longer and a little bit longer. But as we face persecution for a long time, we've got to treasure these things in our hearts and in our minds knowing that the end is near. We know what the outcome will be in the end and we've got to remain faithful. That's why in the very last verse of this wonderful book we've looked at since January, in verse 13, the angel told Daniel, but go your way till the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Go your way till the end. Persevere as you continue to go through hardship. Keep persevering. Keep trucking along. Keep moving forward. How shall we live Christian in light of the end? We keep moving forward in faithfulness. As we keep moving forward in faithfulness, one day, as Daniel has, we shall rest and shall stand in the allotted place at the end of days. And Jesus will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. So believer in Christ, remain faithful today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life. Let's pray.